The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, we promise, we promise at some point we will get out an episode about player grades for the 2023 Milwaukee Brewers season. But that day cannot come because the news just keeps coming fast and furious. Uh, the biggest news of all has finally been reported. Um, the Brewers according to Ken Rosenthal and confirmed by people like Adam McCauvey, Kurt Hogue, et cetera, have found a replacement for four-time National League Manager of the Year runner-up Craig Council. Uh, and that person is going to be his mentor, college coach, and bench coach Pat Murphy. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, an internal promotion to bench coach, which reports suggest that'll be Ricky Weeks. We're also going to talk about Craig Council's comments, some roster moves, and... Uh, you know, anything that crosses our mind across this recording. But first off, welcome, Adam. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Andrew. Uh, sure has been a time. Sure has been a few days. Sure has been a a week or so in Brewer's land. We got a lot to unpack. Uh, the Honestly, the conversation with the last pod has got to carry on over. We'll have to revisit some of that. Craig Council, you know. 
donning those pinstripes like he has now and you know, they feel good. They feel good. He tells us all they feel good. We'll get into all of that. Talk Pat Murphy. Trades. All sorts of conflicting reports on what the Brewers' plans are. Honestly, we'll like some clarity there because the hire in its own right muddies the waters on direction somewhat. But we'll work our way through all of them. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, first off, I'm going to just, you know, go down. Who is Pat Murphy? The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel helpfully put together a piece about that. I've been doing a lot of reading. I read a great Baseball America article from 2018. Pat Murphy was a guy I was very familiar with long before uh, I got into Brewers podcasting and not for Brewers reasons. Uh, Murphy um, played his college ball at um, FAU uh, and then signed a pro contract with the Giants in 1982, played four years in the minors uh, for the Giants, Padres, and some indie ball teams. From there, obviously, we know that he was uh, a very prolific and successful college baseball coach. He managed Notre Dame from 1988 to 1994. That is where he recruited and coached Craig Council. Uh, From 1995 to 2009, Murphy uh, coached Arizona State and really looked like he was going to go on to be one of the true legendary co- coaches of college baseball. It's very successful at Arizona State. Um, I believe made uh, four College World Series appearances as the manager of Arizona State. Um, ended up resigning in the midst of an NCAA um, investigation into uh, academic and recruiting violations. Uh Fuck the NCAA, so who cares about that? They ended up determining that he had not committed um, any uh, ethical violations, but they chastised him for what they described as a cavalier attitude towards the NCAA and their investigation. Once again, fuck them. Uh, And then obviously where he comes into the Brewers picture, we know him as the bench coach uh, under Craig Council. So Craig bringing his mentor in to be his bench coach in – uh, uh, 2015. Uh, he had also spent some time before that, um, managing in the minor leagues and as an interim manager for the San Diego Padres after Bud Black was fired in 2015. But uh, now he goes from Craig Council's right hand man to the leader in the clubhouse, as they say, and uh, he will be by all reports the next Milwaukee Brewers manager. We have not seen any reports about a press conference or any confirmation from the club. But, uh, yeah, I would not doubt that that's the, the reporting is solid. And uh, that's where we're left. Matt or Pat Murphy to replace Craig Council. You always have Matt Murphy there. Um, yeah, there's a, a dear friend whose fault it is I, for I've, that. <laughs> I've noticed. I've noticed. Yeah, I mean, we should note we're currently it's 6.50 p.m. Central on Tuesday as we record this. So, maybe by the time you're listening, there's been official announcements. We are going off of reports, but it's been widely reported. I'm finding this uninspiring overall. I mean, I can live with it. It'll be fine. I think it still is largely going to hinge on what they do in other departments or what their overall decisions are as a franchise. But I do think this hire makes more sense if you're going one route rather than another that's not the route that i'd be looking to go down 
Um, part of me also just wonders how much of this is a, uh, you know, Mark Adonazio came out and he said basically all of the staff were under contract and will be returning this year, which is something that's quite easy to say. If uh, none of them wanted to, that might have got more difficult. They could have made life considerably harder. I think if you don't give Pat Murphy the job, he's going. And I don't think any of us would have necessarily bemoaned it in that situation. This kind of stops Craig from bringing any of his people, though. <laughs> and I, I, part of me wonders, like, that shouldn't be a consideration. But there are people here who the Brewers also will want to keep. Like, we mentioned Chris Hook last time out. Is it easier to kind of keep key figures on your staff who would be kind of highly, highly kind of valued and other teams, not just the Cubs or necessarily the Mets, would want to prize away? You could have a much wider kind of run on some Brewers coaches. If a new coach is coming in, wanted all new people, and that brings out a wider degree of uncertainty if you're kind of starting afresh, which I think the Brewers are in a position where they can do, and maybe they still will do, you could have gone that route. And, you know, if people left and you would new faces, you have new faces, you're starting over anyway. This does feel like what you do when you want to keep the continuity to some regard, not necessarily just with the decision-making process, but I guess in relationships, and Pat Murphy's always been someone who has been heralded as having good relationships within the Brewers clubhouse, although he seems like a fiery character. He seems like an interesting character. And I also wonder how those relationships evolve when he goes from being a bench coach to being the manager. It could be fine. It's not inspiring. Like, it's it's not inspiring at all. I mean, maybe it does lay out a succession plan. We'll get to that in a second. Tom Murphy's 64. I mean, could be a while before that succession plan bir- comes in. He's got a birthday coming up, too. Two okay, he's about to be 65. Could still be a while before that succession plan comes in, unless he's not successful. And if he's not successful, do you want to go to that succession plan anyway? I don't know. I don't know. It's It's not what you want, but then none of this situation was. And as much as the early reporting out of the Brewers was... No, they've actually been, you know, Matt Arnold's been interviewing. They've been getting ready just in case. It doesn't feel like they were really prepared for Craig to leave. Yeah, if my preferences on managerial hires were rungs of a ladder, uh, this was probably the middle of the ladder. Um, As you know, Rodney Linares and Clayton McCullough were the names that had been um, mentioned by Adam McCalvey that I really was drawn to after doing some research. So they were at the top of my list. I have no way of knowing whether or not they would be good major league managers. The very bottom of my list were the Don Mattingly's, the uh, uh, Joe Madden, who can't stop sniffing his own farts on podcasts and television appearances, so I wanted no part of that. David Ross, I would have just like been on this podcast screaming for two hours, so I'm glad that didn't happen. This was the, the mid-tier approach, and after, you know, doing some reading and looking into his history and and assignment in Milwaukee and some of the things players have to say about him. I, I too, I come to this with a place of acceptance like you do. As you mentioned, a succession plan could be being lined up in Ricky Weeks being the bench coach. You retain Chris Hook, which is obviously huge in terms of 
the development of the pitching. Um, I, I, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not something that's got me fired up or excites me, but at the end of the day, I understand it. Um, and I'm probably more accepting of it than I thought I would be when a, we started this entire process and B when I heard the news, um, last night, um, it's, it's funny, funny what time and, you know, actually looking into things will do, uh, Murphy, from all accounts, I've I've listened to a lot of podcasts. There's uh, D1 Baseball, the Shock Factor podcast. Mike Rooney, uh, who's a writer for D1 Baseball, guests on that a lot. He was a walk-on at Notre Dame uh, when Murphy was there. Obviously, describes him as an intense coach and also a loyal coach who um, really responds to his players and gets a good response out of his players when they buy into his vision. So that'll be important and kind of reestablishing that trust with his players as the head guy instead of the bench coach, because as you said, that relationship does change. Um, people have also, uh, Kurt Hogue, I think on the, uh, the podcast with J.R. Radcliffe for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and noted that uh, Murphy is a bit of a jokester, a ball buster, a shit talker. Um, so kind of has that fun, intense jovial personality it's also been said that post uh college coaching career and kind of getting humbled with that entire situation and also post heart attack in 2020 during that covid season he's uh kind of started to lighten up a little bit um uh i've found a baseball america interview with kyle glazer from 2018 glazer asked the question to those watching from afar and who knew you in college, it seems like big league coach Pat Murphy is less intense that college coach Pat, uh, than, than college coach Pat Murphy. They have still not um, cleaned up this typo from an article from five years ago, so that's not great. Um, do you feel like you've changed at all as the years have gone by and your role has changed? Murphy responds, I hope so. I think one of the keys to any leadership position is your openness to growth. My intention is to try and grow and get better and be conscious of my responsibility and conscious of the possibilities. I hope I've grown. And I think that statement is key into what kind of manager he will be for the Brewers because he's walking into a situation where, you know, the guy that he's mentored and been right by his side for the past several years is now playing for your direct rival. That's probably a clubhouse of players that are understanding but a little bit hurt and have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And how does he, A, navigate the players that will be back in that clubhouse, and B, how does he navigate any changes that will happen to this roster? Because as we spoke last week, we envisioned three roads that the Brewers could go down. And I kind of, and I, I take issue with some of the things I said um, on that last podcast in hindsight and, and going over kind of what I envisioned for the, the organization moving forward. And I think... Um, I think I see a, a path that makes more sense and one that I hope they'll actually go down. There was the full scale teardown. There's the middle road. And then there's trying to be competitive without mortgaging the future in, you know, a more encouraging way than say having uh, Andrew Monasterio as your starting third baseman and like making no uh, improvements to the corners. So how, which road do they go down now that Murphy's there? I think I have an idea of what they're going to go down and how does he navigate both that existing ecosystem of players that he's known and had a relationship with the in one role and how does he kind of see how they approach team building and kind of take the next step on whether or not 2024 can be a competitive year and and onward um i'm not going to speak for you because i know you do your homework and you've re-listened and if you're saying that you're saying that a reason i have noticed though because even amongst our discord the conversation come up a few times and i haven't like re-litigated i i think that to me and what i felt like we were talking about last week 
the rebuild and like the full rebuild view to it is trade Corbin Burns, probably trade Willie Adamas, and promote. And that's where I and it's, that's it's, where I take issue with myself from last week is that I don't think you trade Willie Adamas for spare parts when his value is lower than it's been in the last few years. I think you can manage to hang on to him. I do think you have to, have to, have to, have to trade Corbin Burns, though, because he's the one person oh, you're, you're not going to trade. You're going to yeah. get top value for. I, I think you could get good value for Willie Thomas, personally. I I understand there's an argument where his value could be greater to trade deadline. <laughs> his value could also be worse, and you're coming off a really long period of time where his value has been in a dip. If anything, he picked up towards the back end of last season. It could be it could be a time where you you could get some buyers in at a price you're happy with, um, and also I mean, your decisions on Willie have got to be built around what's your Corbin Burns return. If you end up trading with a team who you get a really high quality shortstop back as a prospect, see you later, Willie, and you promote from within. Like that's that's within your system now, and you start the next phase of that. Like that's that's not about Willie Adams as much as about where the team is at, where the timeline is at. Like it's as much about Brandon Woodruff being injured as it is about Willie Adams's game for next season. Like the the wider view of a teardown, which I think has been conflated for a lot of people in the conversation today since that's come from a media report, which was pretty loose and we'll get to it. We'll get to it and we'll talk through that in detail. Yeah. Sounds a lot like wish casting as well. <laughs> Ken Rosenthal wants the Brewers to be bad so badly. It's so bizarre. I Look, he's obviously got a source who's telling him certain types of things, and he feels the source is good, and he reports it. And a few times, it is not necessarily panned out exactly like that, and he's doubling down, he... and he's doubling down, and it's like, cool. Like, there's, there's parts of that which are just irrational. Like, Freddie Peralta, for example... There is no logic in the Brewers trading Freddie Peralta. No, absolutely not. I there's just there's zero logic. I don't think that's on the table. I don't think it's everyone's on the table as much as someone may have used those words because it's not like the Brewers are like clutching to every player on the roster as if there's anyone untradeable, as if this team is about to go and you know win it all. That's not the situation. But there's a difference in, you know, we're in a position right now where we are gonna listen to offers on everyone then actually oh we're we're gonna shop Freddie Peralta there's no there's no world where Freddie's getting traded I I think the teardown and my again my view of the teardown which is it's a more aggressive I guess turnover of your roster but it's gonna come from within and from prospects you're gonna back, get back from trading Corbin and possibly someone like Willie Adamas I think that's that's how I would have liked to see, and I would have liked to see a management choice that goes with that. They may still go that route. They may go more aggressive than that route. And if they do, I think Pat Murphy is a curious choice. I would guess their reasoning for it. And if that time came, they had to talk about it in that way, it would be, yeah, well, he's, he knows the game. He's seen everything there is to see. He's the right guy to shepherd these young guys through the season. In reality, though, that's not generally the way this works. They may be better having someone who is going to be a longer term fit with them, who's going to be a voice that's a better fit for them, just in terms of like culturally, <laughs> in terms of being able to relate to them. Um, and that's 
was long kind of heralded as part of what Craig Council was too, as a younger manager from when Monty came in. It's part of what the Brewers have kind of been built up on from David Stearns being a younger exec. So this is like the continuity hire, but it's also not. It's it's going somewhere completely different because you don't have, you know, <laughs> don't want to bring in the Wisconsin element to this, but you don't have your, you know, young Wisconsinite manager. Obviously, Craig Council is no longer as young as he once was, Andrew. Um, maybe his time in Chicago will shave some of those years off for him. But I, I think that element of it is interesting. It's both the continuity higher, and I think it will be framed like that. But it's not. You are you are very distinctively getting something different. You're getting a Pat Murphy who has a lot of ideas. Will have had a lot of ideas for like the best part of thirty five years as a manager. Maybe he's picked up some new things. I guarantee he's going to have some things that are different, though, and that will be for better and for worse. We'll see. It's just, it's not... It's not the most logical way to go in this situation. Because even with a succession plan, I don't see the handover. Like, I don't... There isn't just a really logical, well, this is what we're doing. I feel that's a way that we could talk ourselves into feeling better about it. But when does when does the change actually like okay if it's if Ricky Weeks is next when's that going to be how is that going to happen I mean, you, and what is the scenario options. where you feel good about it it's the only way is like if maybe they sat down with Pat Murphy and he's like I'm retiring in two years you've got my word I don't want a contract longer than that because I'm retiring if that's the case fine if that's the case fine then you've got your answer then a plan makes sense. We'll see, though. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, I mean, uh, doing this before we've heard them speak kind of gives us less insight into what their thinking was there. And uh, obviously, when's it, when's it going to happen? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? I don't know. Uh, it seems insane to me that a report comes out on a Monday night and we just get radio silence uh, all of Tuesday. That that seems crazy. It seems like there should have been something a little more proactive on that. Um, Honestly, maybe Pat's negotiating for that contract. Because the one thing I'm, I'm not suggesting he's negotiating for the Craig Council contract, but the Brewers are very much out there on being prepared to set a new standard for managers. So you can't be like, hey, Pat, we want to promote you. Here's $800,000. So, you know, an agreement that, yeah, sure, we want to hire you. He wants to be the manager. Doesn't mean he's not going to push for a little bit more and that there might still be some things being ironed out in the background on that. Like, it is tough from a bargaining position to just have I mean, out there, you know, well, we we're prepared to pay a manager this. I know he doesn't have a claim to the same salary but that doesn't mean that you don't try and spin that and that his agent certainly won't be trying to spin that into more than it was i wonder who his agent is you know him and council were close it's not possible andrew is it but we're talking about a, a dual situation here i really hope not uh murphy's in an interesting position as well though because of his age and where he is in his career and he got the taste of interim managing and then didn't anymore like he's He's coming from a place of like this might be my last shot at the top chair, so that's uh <laughs> if he's going out there going for the the uh the council contract or somewhere in between uh you know what that that's the kind of uh balls I want on my manager anyway. <laughs> Will we talk about council a bit? Let's do it. Uh. Let me let me find some quotes. I don't know if you had any additional uh, thoughts to wrap up there, but obviously on Monday we got. Uh... Uh, well, I can well I can do. Well, you find quotes and to lead into that, I just want to follow up on the conversations we've been having, we were having last week, and that have kind of continued in the general Brewers discourse sphere. Um, one of which I weighed in on Twitter, but I just. There are a lot of people who have jumped to Craig Council's defense for leaving the Brewers for the Cubs. Fine, it's your prerogative. Um, there's one argument that's being used for that, which is complete and utter horseshit. Sorry, Ty, this is explicit again now. Um, it's okay, I was going to say something at some point. You know how this goes. <laughs> well, we'll get there eventually. It's complete horseshit, and this is the idea of we'd all do it, you know, we'd all take the Cubs money, you can't pretend you wouldn't in that situation. Every time someone says something like that, they're making assumptions based on who they are, not based on anyone else. I, You're not getting me to take money from, you know, a franchise I hate, a city I hate, that has been like my sworn enemy professionally for 
the majority of my career, I'm not doing that. I'm not turning my back on the people I grew up with, the people who I live with, the people where I might still be living around them. Although, Chancey's rethinking that now based on, you know, his surprise at all of this, just being caught off guard at the strength of reaction. It's it's apples to oranges, first and foremost, to be like, you know, Craig Council turning down. By the way, not a defense of what the Brewers are offering, not a defense of Mark Adonazio, but if we want to say $5.5 million to go and get $8 million with the Cubs, like, $5.5 million is a lot of money. He's not going to live a crappy life if he wants to live at home with all his family and friends and continue with the franchise he's been with. Is he entitled to more? Entitled, no. Has he earned more? Yeah, potentially. Could he have got more of the Brewers? Yeah, it does seem so. And I mean, Craig wasn't doing a whole lot to say, you know, I really, I kept going back and the Brewers just wouldn't move. He was he was leading to be the opposite, which we kind of speculated on last week. Did they get a chance to match? It doesn't seem like they did get a chance to match. Again, I'll listen to anyone who says they should have gone higher to begin with. They shouldn't have, shouldn't have messed with that. Fine. The guy made his choice, and it's not a universal choice. And for anyone who feels like, you know, you can't say that because we'd all... No, you would do that. If you feel like that, you would do that. Own it yourself. You are a spineless piece of shit who would turn your back on your friends, on your family, on your city, and go and take more money elsewhere. Don't put it on other people. That's what Craig Council did. It's not a, It's not about everyone would do this. It's, it's one of his sporting arguments I'm so sick of. I've, you know, I've seen this with Live Golf with, uh, this is all Saudi Arabia related, unfortunately, but this is how it's come up with, with soccer players going to Saudi Arabia and you get the response of, you know, oh, you do, everyone would do the same. No, no. The only person who can speak to that, if you're saying that, it's you. So, you know. Retired books radio play-by-play announcers who are deciding to chime in on the Brewers, put your name to it. I'm a shill who will go and jump and do whatever. Don't put it on other people. That's that's not how this works. So Craig Council's decision is his own. Stop trying to take responsibility away from him. He has to own it. He has to own it today, tomorrow, for the rest of his life. When the bad feeling continues and if the bad feeling goes away, He's a big boy. He made the decision. He wanted the money. He wanted the new challenge. He went and took it. That doesn't mean, oh, the Brewers shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Mark should have done this. It doesn't take anything away from that. But when it came down to it, Craig Council made a decision for him. People do not need to do his work in defending and pretend it's some sort of universal decision. Because it sure as hell wouldn't have been my decision. I know it wouldn't have been yours. Like, stop pretending. It's okay. If if you don't stand for anything and you just want to chase money, say it and put, put an eye behind it. Don't try to put it on everyone. That is not the most important thing in everyone's life. Sorry, Andrew, have you got press conference quotes for us? Yeah, I'll elaborate on that as well. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll abandon a, a sports fandom for a lot of reasons, Adam. But, you know, one of them, would not necessarily be uh, money. Um, I'm, I tried to put it put it like this, you know, you you know, I went to NC State. 
graduated there, worked there for a time. So I've got a lot of loyalty to their frustrating, often losing sports teams. Say I was the manager of their baseball team, their basketball coach. I'm having a lot of success. I'm the hometown hero. They're like, he's an alum. He's our guy. He represents us. And, you know, we might not win it all every year, but he's ours and we're loyal to him. And Craig Council could have been buried at home plate at AmFam. They'd never fire him as long as he lived. Like Jimmy um, Hoffa? Is that what you're saying? Like a lot like Jimmy Hoffa. Um, if I had that kind of scenario and the University of North Carolina or Duke came knocking on my door, offered me more money and a better chance at winning, I wouldn't answer the door. Uh, but that's just me because I, I think in sports jobs aren't real jobs. First of all, they're, they're well, just not, it's not hundred well, percent. It's not the same it's, thing. It's not. If you got offered, you know, $5,000 more when you're struggling to make ends meet, that is not the situation we're talking about here. So stop in your average job, not a shot. It's like, stop trying to equate that to this. It's a completely different world. You're trying to, rationalize it in a sense of I'm moving from one faceless company who I'm a number to and don't give a shit about me to another. That is not it. This is a guy who's beating his chest about what it means to be a part of this franchise and how it's a part of him, a part of his life, how it makes him akin with all the people around him, all the people who fill out that stadium, who take their money from their average jobs and line the pockets of the organization to pay him, maybe to underpay him, maybe to raise his salary and pay him at new levels, whatever it is. If you're going to do all of that and then you're leaving, don't defend them. It's his decision. He's owning it. He clearly, like, is confused by, you know, anyone's hurt feelings by this. He can't quite understand it. <laughs> Further proof that maybe everything he said was, like, a lie to begin with, or he just was detached from reality. Maybe it is like so so different to be in that bubble that what he thinks being a fan or being someone who is proud to, you know, bear Milwaukee across their chest every day when they go to work, that might be very different to again the average person who is doing that, who sees what of, of like, and this is the you and I, we said this last week, and I. this is a conversation that I looked, I put it over to our Discord, and I was like, maybe I'm wide at a mark. I've My hand is up now. I have been to the city of Milwaukee once in my life. Once in my life. I know a lot of people from Milwaukee. I know a lot about Milwaukee. A lot about Milwaukee's present, a lot about Milwaukee's past, a lot about essentially what sets people going in a cultural sense, in a sporting sense. And you don't necessarily have to know all of that to even understand. I've seen people from further afield with the bare kind of the bare minimum of knowledge on it who understand what it's like when you've got one city and you've got another city, which, you know, is always readily kind of placed to big brother it and the dynamic that creates and how that makes people feel. So for council to go from Milwaukee to Chicago, I don't know how you can be oblivious to that. I don't know how you can't see what that represents to people, to people who fight to make Milwaukee the place for them. And we can speak to that from our visit there. People from Milwaukee are so proud to be 
from Milwaukee are so proud of their city, of who they are, that, yeah, I'm just packing my bags and I'm going to go and represent Chicago instead. That, like, that means something. It is a real thing. I... Look, like we, this is I'm I'm going through this now again because the reality is this is a conversation that will get parked until probably Brewers Cubs. Like we'll get on with business, we'll get on with looking ahead. I'm not saying Greg Council is not going to continue to you know take strays you know on most episodes, but we're not we're not going to continue to talk about it like this. We did it last week. We're doing it again now. I just think the idea. And it's one we'll get to again in a second. His own quotes, I like his own confusion of it, and then the discourse and how people have tried to frame it in, in defense of him, and in thinking this is a shot at the owner. If you listen to the pod regularly, you'll know well how I feel about how the Brewers are run from an ownership perspective, or about Mark Adonazio as an owner and his level of investment in the team. Criticizing him does not spare Craig Council. I don't know why people view this as an either or and just have to, you know, I don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. No, the guy made this specific decision. He could have got this money from a whole bunch of franchises if that was the choice he wanted to make. He decided, I'll have my cake and eat it. I can get all this money. I can still be close to home and I can get it in Chicago. Great, good for you, Craig. Guess what? There are consequences that come with that. There are consequences that you've burned your bridges with the fan base. You didn't realize that? I don't know how you didn't. But that is the consequences of making this particular choice. That's what came with it. You chose it. Could have gone to the Mets. Everyone expected it. You went to the Cubs. Major bad, you got a line Um, I think the thing about people from Milwaukee feeling such a, such a strong uh, connection with their home city and also pride and the willingness to defend it um, is a lot of why we've been embraced doing this podcast because they're like, oh, you like the Milwaukee Brewers. We like the Milwaukee Brewers. Jump on board. Let's go and, you know, go through all the joys and the pains. And like, you know, this team's never won a World Series. Hey, isn't it going to be great if we ever get the opportunity to do that? Um, it's also why season one when um council made some moves and decisions that we disagreed with it's why people were in our mentions defending him because he was whitefish bay milwaukee guy wisconsin's zone they felt a loyalty to him too he's their guy and then he just went and spit in everyone's faces um i've got a first quote the first quote comes from uh 2015, May 2015, I'm a Milwaukee Brewer, Council said on the spring morning from inside Miller Park. I've always felt this way. Baseball in this city is important to me. It's part of me. I feel a responsibility for it. I always have. Cut to uh, eight years later, 2023. Thank you, Council said, as Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, robed him in blue pinstripe polyester. Feels good. This is via Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who was out there doing the Lord's work in Chicago along with Adam McAvey and others. Um, shout shout so out in just... particular to friend of the pod, Kurt Hogue, who went and asked the questions. And I mean, all Brewers fans listening have probably seen the clips. By the end, I think it's fair to say Craig Council was pissed. And he's like, you know, I wasn't expected. I wasn't expecting you guys. Well, Craig, should should have moved further away. This is the thing. These guys could just pop back up at any moment to storm your press conferences. I okay. Now I was gonna say, I wonder if he was expecting that. But based on some quotes we'll get to here in a minute, 
I don't think he's the sharpest tool in the tool shed as much as I did when I was watching him as the manager for the Brewers. And to be fair, you and I were probably lower. We we had t- started attending the church sermons, but also we questioned a lot of the moves more so than most um, because of I that just loyalty think, factor. I think he's oblivious. I don't. I think he's a very smart guy, which is part of what annoys me about the way I don't he buy. Is, like... I don't buy that anymore. <laughs> Oh no, I, I, I think I think he's a smart guy. I really I do. I think he just may be slightly delusional, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit too high in, you know, himself and the idea of too high on the Craig Council legacy and what he's done. Because, you know, what you've he's done is great. Shit all over his legacy. The legacy is gone. But he's he's only coming to understand that. He felt like even you might get to the quote, but he's talking about, you know, my job is to go out there and put good baseball products. And we did that for nine years. And, you know, that makes me so proud. I feel like I've done my job. I've given the people what they want. That is not what the people want. The people want to win a World Series. Now, you in part have raised the level that that can be something that which isn't just completely unimaginable. That it isn't just, oh, you know, the Brewers aren't the worst team in baseball. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Like, which for so long could have been the attitude to the Brewers. Congratulations, you helped raise that bar, but you're leaving before not even the ultimate payoff, without any payoff, really. And your greatest achievement is still coming up quite a bit short. It doesn't it doesn't stand too much when you're gone. It matters when you're there, it matters when you're the guy in the trenches. But then when you're like, you know what? I've done my part. My job here is done. I'm going to go and I'm going to try and help a division rival to beat this team every year. Then that legacy well, does not hold up in quite the same way under under that level of scrutiny because you're like, oh, great. Because it's also, it's not just, you know, it's not just him deciding to do this. It's also the when he's decided to do this because you can defend him and say, hey, look, he's not happy with some of the decisions. He's not happy with some of the decisions being made. And that's why he's gone. And I will listen to that and I will say, you know, he has a right to not be happy with some of the decisions that have been made. The cold hard reality of that is also, if he's looking at the situation, he's like, yeah, it's not what it used to be. He's running at the first opportunity and he's going to, like, the enemy. Like, and this is so simple. There are only two places he really just could not go that would have had this effect. And it was the Cubs and the Cardinals. And he did it. <laughs> I, I don't know what's, what there is to be confused about, but again, I think whether it's like within the bubble of AmFam, within the bubble of Whitefish Bay, I don't know what it is, but all the noise was blocked out to a level where I think he thought he was just bulletproof on this. And No, you're not. You're, you know, you bleed like everyone else. This is the reality of it. And if you're gonna if you're gonna turn your back on everyone, yeah, people are gonna be annoyed. Yeah, if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's not a complete dumbass, then I will, I will, I I will uh, go on with that. I will say that he's the most arrogant guy in the history of the world. Then, because I he said, here's another quote. I'm going through these slowly just because I keep getting worked up every time I scroll down this Milwaukee Journal Sentinel page. Uh, subscribe to your local newspaper. Uh, the brand that the Chicago Cubs are. You can't help but get excited about repping them. The idea of legacy in sports, you know, is ripe for online debate. Like, 
we talk about LeBron and the decision and bailing for the Heat. Eventually, he came back and won the championship with the Cavs, sort of helping rectify that. KD goes and joins up with the Warriors. What does that do to his legacy? Craig Council is joining the division rival of a team uh, that he's managed in the city that he's from. And he's going to a team that already had their rip the Band-Aid off, break the curse moment in 2016 with Joe Madden at the helm. And he'd rather go, you know, kind of glom onto that and whatever the Ricketts have in mind for phase three of the modern Cubs era, whatever it is, instead of trying to do the exact same thing for the city of Milwaukee. And, like, maybe I'm just not rich enough or talented enough to comprehend approaching your own individual legacy that way. Like, if... If your idea of your legacy is setting the manager or setting the market for managers and making as much money as possible and not having that historic moment for a Milwaukee Brewers franchise that has never won a World Series, like you're just, you just, you got a loser mindset, I think. And just like jumping for the easiest lily pad, uh, looking for the next quote unquote challenge because this one's gotten too hard. He has every right to be upset with. Uh, you know, not being the highest paid manager or whatever it was, or payrolls being lower than he wants them to be, or like a, something like the hater trade in the middle of the season. He has every right to be mad at things like that. But I just think it's it's a loser mindset to bail on your city and and hop over to a division rival and, and choose the easier path. Now, he, it's a very unique circumstance for him because every manager bailing for a better opportunity in their mind is not from the city that they're currently managing in. But it factors in, and it has to. And him being perplexed that people would react in this way is just mind-boggling. Because he has every right to do what he did and to get his money and to move on from Milwaukee if that's what he wants to do. But don't be surprised when people are pissed off and you're not welcome back into that ballpark and they're not going to you know, retire a jersey number or build you a statue. That's gone. Like... Mad Men mean that's what the money's for. Hope it's worth it. Go have fun in Chicago. You're going to get your ass booed from here to the end of the turn, uh, end of eternity when you come back to Amphan, and you've earned it. Um, I'll scroll also, down this. The, uh, the bar is the bar is high because, as you said, they they aren't just looking for the one golden moment. They've got through that. They've got the sky high payroll that he wants. If the results aren't there, he's going to start to curse that very quickly. Like, this is a situation where if you don't deliver, you're out in one year and you've trashed your legacy with the Brewers. It's like, ask David Ross. Maybe you should ask him when you're on the phone. You're saying, hey, David, I respect you so much. I'm just about to take your job here. Um, You know, you seem to do okay. You weren't great, but could be worse. Hey, don't worry about that. I'm sure I'll be great. Um. Look, Craig Council is an excellent manager. He may well make a really formidable Cubs team. We'll see what they do when it comes to free agency. We'll see what kind of big fish they land. They can talk about who they want to land. Actually getting them is a different story. The risk of this just like going into a tailspin and him being left with nothing to show for all of this. It's it's not zero. It's not zero. I mean, sure, the the one thing legacy-wise that he's gonna have is there you go. You're the all-time leading, you know, wins for a manager in Brewers history. And that will probably stand for a very long time. 
I think that is only more embarrassing if when that comes up, people are like, God, that snake. Or I don't like that guy. If with a franchise like the Brewers, you are the holder of that record and people aren't going to be just singing your praises routinely, that's really, really, really tough. This reminds me, I'll cross sports here, apologies to anyone who doesn't get this, but when Wayne Rooney took the Manchester United goal-scoring record from the recently deceased Bobby Charlton, Wayne Rooney had twice put in transfer requests recently, once because <laughs> he wanted to go to Man City and once because he wanted to go to Chelsea. I remember the whole run-up to it being like, oh, can he just please don't score, don't score. And eventually he got it and it's like, yeah, who cares? It, the record meant less when he got it than it did before he got it is the best way of putting it. Um, moving on to some other quotes. I know I'm being slow about this, but uh, I think the these were the most illuminating for me because I spent a good portion of the early part of last week's podcast chastising Mark Adonazio for letting it get to this point, and there still lies some blame there. Just you know, if you become fed up with the situation over years, obviously not everyone, um, like everyone shares some blame, but. This these quotes tell me that I think this was always going to be the end game and council was always going to bail in Milwaukee. He says, I probably had those thoughts over the last two years. I've kind of thought about it a lot, thought about what's next, thought about a new challenge. So that tells me like he was gearing up to leave and it wasn't oh the Brewers uh, let it get to this situation. This tells me that no matter what kind of extension offer they would have presented with him, he would have wanted to keep his options open. And then when Kurt Hogue asked Sam the question, was there anything the Brewers could have done to keep you? He said, there's not a right answer to that, an easy answer to that. We got to this point, an incredible incredible opportunity was put in front of me. Once that answered a lot of things that were running around in my head for a bit, and so a decision was made. Uh, I, I hope the things in your head aren't tired from running in that circle, Craig. Uh, but, but that tells me, obviously, we knew the Brewers uh, were not given the opportunity to match based on just reading the tea leaves. And also, they probably wouldn't have matched. But I don't think it mattered. I think he was gone. And that's something we didn't see coming. And I think that just speaks to speaks to how he felt about the whole situation. Well, he's put two years as the time frame on how long he's been thinking of this, which is honestly just a wild thing to say. Like, that can be true. That's a human thing. You've been in this job a long time. Maybe you do want to change the scenery. That's fine. But to be just like, I've been thinking about this for two years. You don't need to say that out loud, Craig. You're just digging and digging, and it's getting deeper and deeper. This hole you're in. Uh, I maybe maybe you're right. Maybe <laughs> maybe he 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 wasn't quite as smart. Or again, maybe it is just this kind of like sheltered thing where it's just complete inability to understand how people outside of the bubble process any of this. That is a degree of just like inner peace i wish i could have anytime i do or say anything i'm thinking about how everyone around it is interacting with it and feeling about whatever i've just done even if i'm just standing in a room and he Plus, had no problem doing that i'll tell you the difference you do say and do things right you frequently like you're saying things with this podcast like i am great council says nothing nothing in his job says nothing this is one of the I rare think... occasions where he actually has to say some things. Like, it's something we talked about a lot. His brand of answering questions and posting answers. This is not, like, unique to any manager coach across sport. I think particularly in American sport, this is 
so predominant, but just the I'm going to say nothing to all of these questions approach to it. But Council, though, as I've often brought up and criticized before, he answers reporters' questions generally before they're finished asking them. Because he's just like, he's not actually engaging with the question. He's not looking to, it's like, yeah, I'm here, essentially, so I don't get fined. And I'm going to I'm gonna say something, like, we're going to work through this. But he's not actually saying anything. It's not, it's not coming from a real place inside of him. Like, and even this, I mean, I don't know. If, again, you want to go with, like, oh, if you want to be, in defense of Craig Council, you want to talk about Brewer's ownership? I de- like, why are you taking the classy road out if this is the problem? Like, be more explicit about it. You don't have to try everyone under the bus entirely, but you could be like, look, I've been working my hands tied behind my back there. I'm not happy that we traded Josh Hader. Something that people are now like routinely trying to piece together, and I feel will become like fact for some people in time they'll just forget the specifics and they'll be like well he left because they didn't keep hater he didn't say it he could have said it he could have said that was a moment where i just started to think about what went wrong and we'd be having a different conversation about it ultimately he would still have chosen the chicago cubs and that is that is his choice and that cannot be worked kind of any other way you know you can't walk that back you can't just yeah sure but you know he had other options and that's what he chose but he's not even able to come out with something that has any kind of meaning, any kind of feeling behind it now. It's just, it's all, it's all kind of limp. Uh, yeah, I mean, one thing that I did, I did take inspiration from Craig recently. Uh, Adam, this background might look the same, but it's not going too soon. I actually got an apartment about uh, 90 minutes away from my family just to show them how much I love them. Um, because when you have a job in a city where your family lives, the real, the real way to prove your loyalty is to go to a city that's further away from it. And that's something that, you know, I think I've always believed deep down, but Craig council really brought that home. Also, uh, Adam, I, uh, I called your boss. I will be interviewing for the job that you currently work, uh, just because I respect that shit out of you. So I just got to do that just to show you that I respect you. We got any more quotes? Um, I mean, I've got a few. Um, the challenge of this is different, and that challenge excites me. More resources means different types of players for sure. That's a different challenge for a manager. More resources, resources good Lord, is certainly something Chicago offers. There's no question about that. Cool. Cool, Craig. It's not a challenge, then. It's an easier opportunity. Don't frame it like it's a challenge. It's not. It's about money, and it's about uh, spending more money on players. That's fine. Say it like that, you asshole. Um, When asked if he needed, there was any form of mental hurdle he needed to clear when considering leaving Milwaukee for Chicago, I mean, I really didn't really see it like that. Um, I feel like that was a a solid uh, council impression in my head. It wasn't um, the worst. I mean, I'll, I'll give you like a six point five out of ten. I'll take it. I maybe underestimated that part of it. I was looking at it more from a challenge perspective, role perspective. I understand that other point of it. Certainly respect that point of it. 
But I guess you end up with tough decisions because of things like that. And it's always tough because life decisions like this are certainly challenging. But after you go through your process internally and with your family and make a decision, you end up on the right side. We heard all the rumors about his wife's family being Cubs fans. I don't know if there's any credence to that or that this being a dream job for him. I don't know. It's just well, like that was, uh, that was reported. Uh, who can you remember who reported the the dream job part of it? Uh, this was all, like that. This was always the job that if he was going to leave the Brewers that he had circled, which is just again is wild. Like it's it's a wild thing. I I understand the idea of a Brewers manager, even the local guy, if he was fantasizing about you know maybe one day I'll be the manager of the Dodgers or of the Yankees, but to be from Wisconsin to be Brewers true and true and be like, one day, maybe I'll manage the Cubs. Just insane. Like, it's it's not a normal thing. Again, to people who want to defend that, they are not going, you know, one of these days, maybe, just maybe, we'll see the Cubs win another World Series. Wouldn't that be great? Like, no no one is thinking like this. It's, it's just not part of it. Uh, I'm not a sports fan who actively roots against another team. I guess I'm going to have a reason to do that this year. But it's still like there's there's still something that's just in there in terms of the understanding of what makes a rivalry. And this is more cultural than it is baseball. And I think that's that's the key part of this. It's It's saying something about where you're from and your people and... No, but I'm gonna leave Milwaukee to go to Chicago. Like, like how many people before? And that's that's really tough. I I think I part of this, I'll, I I'll just one that pissed me off the most. Once you're done there, and then we can move on. Well, I'll just say I do think part of this that I possibly there's elements of this which are completely false equivalency. The histories are not exactly you know like for like. But I do think there is something I relate to in Milwaukee as it pertains to Chicago in an, you know, Ireland, England sense, right? This is this idea of this, you know, much bigger fish, this like, you know, global player that's, you know, just across the water in my case, just up the highway in Milwaukee's case. And it's the place that, you know, well, if you want to really make it big in something, you, you may have to go there or I am going to go there to make it big. This idea, which is just like, it's not it. It's not it. And if that's how you view it, it again, it's a reflection of the individual. It's like, you know, you can bring the thing to you. You can make the thing in your own place. We understand the limitations that are there. Like, this is not about... Uh, like, very quickly for both of us, I'm probably surprised ourselves... In talking, like, minutes after news happened, we are kind of like, all right, Council's gone as a manager, cool. It's a new era, and we're kind of looking forward to that in the baseball sense. Pat Murphy isn't how we would have chosen for that to go, but still, there will be an element of, this is news, this is a fresh start. For us, Dude, it's like, cool. The The post-game scrums are going to be better. He they might are. say some crazy stuff. We might get some good John Boy videos with umpires. I'm stoked for that aspect of it, I gotta say. From that element of it, like, this is not... I don't really care at this point about Craig Council leaving the Brewers. I only care 
at Craig Council leaving the Brewers for the Cubs and framing it in the way that it's been framed. And that restarted with his agent as much as anything. His agent was the one quick off the mark that we could talk about last week. And he was I doing radio did, hits. did radio <laughs> hits since we, we talked about that statement. And Council's not made it any better with his own opportunity to speak. And like Council's own statement as well, which we didn't mention because he, yeah, he's done his his press conference. This kind of like availability he had, which honestly just did not seem. He should have done a press conference. He should have done a Brewers press conference. Last thing on the way out. Whatever way you want to do it, if the team aren't hosting it, like do it in a way. Like, let's let's work this thing out so people can tune in. I'm sure MLB.com would have no problem hosting it from some location. Let's get some cameras there. Let's let people watch this and actually address the people you're speaking to. Instead, he obviously did some media availability with the core kind of Brewers beat guys who are all whether you know by way of council's agent or whether their own mutual agreement seemingly embargoed until the same moment where all of their articles dropped at once. And you're just like, this whole thing is so packaged and so artificial. And even in that moment, he didn't have the decency to come out and just be authentic and be like, I know this is going to hurt. I meant everything I said. You're going to be angry. I accept that this is what's happening. But I'm going to, I'm here to confront that. I'm here to own it. You don't have the decency to do it. It's like, all right, let's go. Uh, final, final thoughts on this. Obviously, you can go read uh, Kurt's great work on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's website to get all the quotes. Um, when he, uh, <laughs> when he asked the question about, uh, I think it was the one about could the Brewers have done uh, anything to keep you and Craig's glare staring through Kurt's soul via his phone camera um, when he asked that. was great content. I fist pumped in the air at the question being asked directly. That's what we love from these great beat writers. Uh, Craig says, our industry is defined by winning a World Series. I think we know how hard that is and how it's really hard to do. I do think that ultimately your job is to provide fans with incredible experience and as good as experience as you can provide for fans. Um, so that was our, his Are You Not Entertained and You're Welcome uh, comment on the way out. I have a I have a comparison about that I will make to you off the episode, much like you promised for a joke last you week. You know the people uh, will come to you. They'll look for it too. You can't just share it with me. You know The people will come, they'll ask you, Andrew, please, could you share with us what this is? Oh, oh, a word you use there is actually very relevant to the com- comparison that I was going to okay. make, but uh, we can talk about that offline. Um, shall we go to uh, the conflicting reports between Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan about the approach the Brewers will take the rest of this offseason? Sure. Why not? Well, it would just be too easy for us to be able to get on with business and be like, Here's what they're gonna do, supposedly. So let's let's work out some content around that approach. All right. So Ken Rosenthal. Uh, first of all, uh, I've been listening to his podcast. Uh, the guys on foul territory are great. They'll have him on from time to time, as you know. Go ahead, Adam. I have not been listening to his podcast, right? 
I did see the video he put out where he explains why he reports the Craig Council news, like when he did in the way he did, only having part of the information. I was so embarrassed. So embarrassed as an act of self-promotion. It's like, what? Who was questioning why they were like, that's how reporting works. We we get it. No one was like, why are you reporting that? And you don't have the rest of it. Like, Ken, you're not John Heyman, right? You're you're good. Like, people don't have to like everything, and it seems certainly from what he says, Brewers fans do not like everything he says, and he seems to really feel that quite deeply at this point. But I was like, this is embarrassing. Talk about the actual news. Don't do a, well, the reason that I chose to do that, like this self-aggrandizing thing, and share that as the clip from the podcast. I was like, I'm not listening to this if this is what it's going to be about. Let me tell you. About how I got the scoop. Not the full scoop, but enough of the scoop that, you know, I thought I should I should probably share it. And I, I think this was part of the video. I don't know if this was just podcast only, but he also was like, and, you know, when I first wrote the article about council exploring opportunities, I almost said that the Cubs or Cardinals would be an option for him, but I didn't. Cool. I almost did a lot of things in life, Ken, but I didn't. You didn't report that at the time, so you don't get to brag about it now. Oh, my girlfriend goes to another school. That's why you don't see her at the dance. Well, that report does not exist, Ken, because you didn't make it. Anyway, um, he's a longtime listener of the podcast. So uh, uh, sorry, Ken. But I'll see. He's uh, upset enough about Brewer's stuff at the moment that he might be he might be just like every every bit of content he can get his hands on. Just let's not rule it out. Ken, if you want to, you know, come on the pod and talk about your process, <laughs> hit us up. Yeah, I don't think the Mark Canna episode's coming anytime soon, so, uh, you know, other guests we might have to pivot to. Uh, From his article, uh, he says, A relatively thin free agent class presents opportunity for a team willing to sacrifice its presence for the future. Uh, And the Milwaukee Brewers, after losing manager Craig Council, seemingly are willing to deploy such a strategy. Uh, Executives this time of year are always careful to tell reporters they are fielding calls on their players rather than shopping them. In that sense, the Brewers would say they're acting no differently than any club. But industry sources tell a different story. Uh, Basically, yada, 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 keeps going down. He's long-winded, writing an article that did not need to be as long as this. Basically says that the Brewers will listen on anyone. Um, And obviously in some of that video Uh, content... Doesn't report it, though. Like... I think it's I if you have it in front of you, if not, I'll get it and we get the exact like it's not he's not putting it out there in a very kind of rigidly here is what I am saying, here is what I am hearing specifically. It is all pitched in a pretty loose way that leaves right. I mean a lot of wiggle room and then that doesn't necessarily warrant the level of attention that it's understandably getting like that you just say this and you've got his power and i i don't like that i i really don't because you got to understand the influence you have the power you have you are one of we're talking here about the two biggest news breakers in the sport like the two most reputable the people who aren't necessarily on the verge of trashing their reputation every time they post something you've got to come with something a little bit more concrete like it's not not great. It would be, I think, how I would put that. Yeah, right. Why write anything 
of that nature if you don't have something that you can actually say is concrete. Like, we know the Brewers are listening on XYZ. He just throws out names that, in theory, they could be trading. Um, obviously, Burns is one that's going to come up. Uh, Adamus and Devin, I think he mentioned as well, or our names that will come up as well. He, he um, mentioned Christian Yelich, and I'll, I'll give the quote of that. Who's taking like, that contract? <laughs> well, I, I think this is the quote, which will speak to a lot of how this is framed. Quote, and if the Brewers embark upon a sell-off, they would figure to listen, even on left fielder Christian Yelich, who has transformed himself into a quality leadoff hitter. Yelich, though, is under contract for five more years and $130 million and possesses full no-trade protection. So on in one breath, we have this hypothetical framed purely from coming from him, it's pure speculation, and in the other then, the line of logic kicks in and just the cold hard facts suggest, well, of course, isn't going to happen. Because even if you found someone who did want to trade for Yelich, Yelich doesn't have to go anywhere he doesn't want to. And this isn't his fault, but it kind of, I guess it kind of well, is. Well, it is his fault. <laughs> well, no, the next thing I'm going to say. Uh, okay. Because it's just the nature of the world we live in now with media. Um, that, again, sounds like no, I, I don't like I, to say. But, but I disagree because his point, right? That no. video that I've just talked about, that that is it. You are better. And I feel quite strongly about this. We could cross to, you know, insiders and other sports. You are better putting out the small part of the story that you have right. Report that. Don't feel the need to try and push it further. Don't feel the need to do agents bidding in what you're reporting. Give us what you've got. And stop at that line. And if you've got more, then you can add to it. But don't ever be the guy that anyone's like, because this is part of the problem. He's complaining about, you know, Brewers fans are saying this. Well, Brewers fans are saying you've been saying this for two to three years because you deal in just like vague and loose descriptions of it. If you didn't do that, no one would have issues. If you say, well, Brewers are trading Corbin Burns and uh, yeah, they're definitely going to listen to offers on Willie Adama's. And they might not uh they might not come to terms on any kind of deal with Brandon Woodruff that gets them out of that tough situation with him. You know what? All of those things are probably true, could very well be true, and I don't think people will be dragging you over the coals for it. So when you get into just you're just throwing stuff at the wall, I'm talking about the Brewers. Who should I, I should put Christian Yelich in here? He's a name that people know who plays for the Brewers. That's where it starts to lose its credibility and it gets wishy washy where I have no doubt there's some real stuff in here. Well, it goes down a trickle-down funnel where then Bleacher Report puts out a graphic with a small snippet of a quote from Ken Rosenthal, Brewer's willing to move virtually anyone, in quotes, and with a picture of Christian Yelich on the fucking graphic, when if you're smart enough to parse through the mealy-mouthed nature of his, I don't, I don't even want to call it reporting, speculation, you know that that's like... Not something that needs to be at the forefront of the discussion, but just we're all we're all as a society just all so fucking stupid and all want to hear ourselves talk so much. That's why I have a podcast. So Ken's at fault there. The aggregators are at fault there. It's just everybody just needs to fill the silence in the room. And we have a story about the Brewers losing their manager with guys with contracts coming up. And it's the thing that he's done all year and people have done all years trying to trade every single brewer uh whether it makes sense or not and now that's continuing into the offseason there are a lot i mean 
can write a snippet in an article about Corbin Burns specifically. Hone in on him because that one makes a lot of sense. You can add your speculation there and context around Corbin's season and the conversation around arbitration last year and come up with some suggestions that aren't reporting or what you're hearing from executives without making it this full-blown thing that it doesn't need to be. But it's also, I think, what is, like, you and I can could go on Twitter and say this and say we were reporting it, you know? He had it on good intel. Now, the intel would be our own in this case. I'll be clear on that. This is not how reporting should work in terms of ethics. But you could say, Gordon Burns is someone that the Brewers are going to offer around. They're going to take various trade talks, and they will think very, very hard about trading him so that he doesn't end up leaving for nothing so that they recoup some assets. And you could add to that, depending on how Corbin Burns' situation resolves itself, the Brewers could additionally be very aggressive, either as sellers or as buyers. <laughs> because that is that is the reality of the situation. Like, Corbin is the domino, right? And what you get back for Corbin. Like, as I said, if you, you get back a really nice shortstop at a Corbin Burns trade got to factor into what you're thinking of doing with Willie Adamas and what kind of value you try to recoup from him. Uh, so branching off of that, Jeff Passan uh, enlisting just an assortment of things and his kind of big offseason predictions and preview listing players that are trade candidates, Corbin Burns, the aforementioned, and Willie Adamas, who you just mentioned. Uh, Passon says, here's the thing about Milwaukee potentially dealing its ace at shortstop. The Brewers just lost their manager to their hated rival. What sort of message does it send to fans if they actively ship their best players out too? Business in a small market is different, and perhaps that's the cost of doing it. But the Brewers are good. They won the NL Central this year. They can win it again next year, especially with Jackson Chorio, Tyler Black, and Jacob Mizorowski arriving soon. The Brewers falter. Burns and Adamas can make Milwaukee the bell of the ball at the trade deadline. Other teams aren't convinced a huge sale is coming. So similarly to Rosenthal, that's coming from, I assume, executives talking to him. Uh, and I think pieces of what Rosenthal and Passan reported are both true. I still think a Corbin Burns trade is coming, like I said earlier. I don't think a Willie Adamas trade is coming unless Matt Arnold gets blown away. Um, so that blending the two worlds of reporting there, I think is probably, and obviously <laughs> I don't have sources, Listen, if if there was a world where I could live in Milwaukee and just hang out around the offices at AmFam all day or just be in the ears of agents and and be getting all that infield, uh, intel, uh, not infield, uh, Willie Adams plays infield, um, that is a world I would want to live in, but that doesn't exist. So I'm just saying this from a vibe perspective, from what we know about how the Brewers operate, the full-scale teardown option was probably not going to be the realistic one. So I think if you can kind of cut through the bullshit and see what Rosenthal is saying and see what Passon's saying, I think you come out with a middle ground there where the Corbin Burns trade comes in. They get a pretty big haul. They have a patchwork rotation next year. Maybe they add a free agent or two, make a trade or two to where they're that, you know, not quite, uh, not quite probably division winning level next year but still in the wild card mix off season and maybe they get in and um, we're really excited about what the future holds because we've continued to improve the farm system via a Corbin Burns trade. Maybe uh, at the deadline next year when Devin Williams has a year and a half of control left and a team 
contending down the stretch run desperately needs a closer for the playoffs. Uh, you can add like that, just like they did with Hader uh, in a situation in 2022. I think that's more of the reality that we're going to live in. And the focus, obviously, as a fan, is going to be on what this next wave of Brewers uh, prospects looks like. And that's Chorio, Gasser, Mizorowski, um, Freelip, Weimer, Terang, Mitchell, however they check out there. Jefferson Caro, who we should mention, was added to the 40-man uh this week, um, along with Bradley Blaylock, who was acquired in the Luis Arias deal with Boston at the deadline. So I think there's going to be a, a blending of those types of reports, and that's where we end up with the Brewers. Uh, but I still think it will be imperative that they make that Corbin Burns trade to avoid that middle ground path that we talked about last week. In all likelihood. I mean, the truth lies between the two reports, and I kind of hope that's the case, because I don't think it would be smart for the Brewers for either of those, you know, views on their situation to bear out to be entirely true. I think that's honestly, uh, they're the two worst outcomes is full one way or the other, where you're trading players you shouldn't and it doesn't make sense to on one side, or where you're trading no one and you're trying to, you know, go with another really... Uh, I, I don't even know what this season under Pat Murphy would be if you're just like, yeah, let's see it out with Corbin Burns. Let's see it out with everyone. And let's just find out what that brings us. Both, both options are bad, honestly. So there needs to be a bit of both. I would lead, lean towards them being selling. But as we touched on earlier, that's like with the obvious spots. And I know there's some elements of that. Willie Adams is someone that people will debate on. But I feel like that's a debate that we can't fully have until we see what a Corbin Burns trade brings back because your roster is then different and we're making decisions from a different base than we currently are right now at that point. Listen, uh, if Michael Elias wants to start conversations with me, I've got packages drawn up around some Orioles prospects I'm big fans of uh, or I'm a big fan of. So if uh, we want to get that ball rolling, I'm more than happy to to facilitate that. Um I've got a, a beeper that uh, Matt Arnold has direct access to. So we got that going for us. Same uh, pin number as the joint account, by the way. Right. All right. Let's move that along. Uh, I guess the last bit of news is uh, the trade, right? We mentioned uh, Jefferson well, Caro and the, the stadium, too, is also very big. Oh, news. God. I mean, yeah. That is yeah, uh, yeah. honestly, that is. We're talking about a whole lot of different things. That is the real biggest news here. Um, not not fully. It's not all stamped yet. It's going across, I believe, Governor Tony Evers' desk next. But uh, yeah, you know the fran- the future of the franchise in Milwaukee, particularly when we're talking about you know parties who've turned their back on Milwaukee to take their baseball elsewhere. That's probably that's probably the big one. Trade is not insignificant, but stadium is bigger than that. It's also probably bigger than Pat Murphy and Craig Council. Uh, so it's not a sexy Andrew. That's really you know, you, that's why we're only getting done at this point. Do you want me to close with it or go into it now? <laughs> uh do it. Let's let's do it now, and then we can get to actual like full baseball with the trade that has happened. Uh. Sounds great. Um, 
although I was not prepared. So I'm scrolling through the Journal Sentinel, so I have all these numbers correct. And they're telling me about uh, Ricky Weeks being expected to join the coaching staff, which is great news. Uh, news I welcome, but I've got it here. Um, also, Adam, uh, I've got uh, colleagues in my DMs asking me about what it means to be a podcast glue factory. So if you want to drop in your definition uh, in the group chat, please help them out. Um, uh, so the the bill, uh, the law funding uh, AmFam's improvements has cleared the state legislature with bipartisan votes in both chambers on Tuesday. Uh, the proposal passed the state Senate uh, 19 to 14 on uh, Tuesday morning. Tuesday afternoon, um, the Assembly approved the Senate's amended version of the bill late Tuesday afternoon with a 72 to 26 vote. Um, so that bill is on Tony Evers' desk, his theoretical and metaphorical desk, as uh, it sounds like the Brewers are going to be in Milwaukee through uh, 2050, um, I think was the the final tally there. Under the bills passed Tuesday, the state will contribute an estimated $365.8 million, a reduction from the previous versions resulting from the addition of a ticket surcharge on non-brewers events held at the stadium. An amendment approved Tuesday requires a $2 fee for events like concerts, with the amount rising to $8 for a ticket that allows access to a stadium luxury box or suite. The amendment, in the amendment increases the surcharge on non-brewers events to $3 starting in 2033, $4 starting in 2042. The fee for box or suite tickets will increase to $9 starting in 2033 and to $10 starting in 2042. Uh, all that revenue will be used to reduce the state's contrib contribution to the stadium. The graduated surcharge is expected to bring in about $20.7 million through 2050. So I guess uh, that was part of the holdup. Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee will each make annual payments totaling $67.5 million by 2050. Meanwhile, the Brewers, owned primarily by multi-millionaire investor Mark Adonazio. Can I uh, ask you something right there? Can I stop there? This is not, I'm not trying to do a bit. It may be, there may be a mention. I'm on an AP article here and it says something. If I was to say to you, what is Mark Adonazio's estimated net worth? What would you say? Because I am I feel like this number may have changed. What would I guess? So, yes. Five hundred fifty million. Or what's what's, it, what's in your head as it having been five fifty was what you were going with? Yeah, I thought we were closer to a billion, but not at a billion, because in the AP article on this, it says an estimated seven hundred million dollars, which I did think was less than it was before. Which honestly also would make sense. He has bought well, larger shares of Norwich City since then, um. So, like the brewers are valued at more than twice, almost two and a half times. His net worth? Not ideal. Really not ideal. Uh, yeah, so the Brewers kicking in around $150 million. That includes rent payments, though, under the amended legislation. That's an increase from $140 million. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm sure there are other uh exact specifications on where the dollars are coming from and who's splitting it elsewhere i've just said a lot of numbers uh we got a quote uh this is from oliver twist we can now Ugh. all go to sleep tonight knowing the brewers are going to be here for the next generation in a great b 
beautifully maintained ballpark that is worthy of the fan support. Uh, that was a bit. That was via Rick Schlesinger. That's a real quote. It just wasn't from Oliver Twist. Um, sure. He works. For, he he works for the uh, uh, the Admirals now. So he used to work for the Brewers, but he got a different gig. Uh, Tony Eber says this is good news. Bre- Sorry, let me just because I can't. This is good news once again. Is no thanks to Rick Schlesinger and how he has conducted himself throughout this process. He was arrogant beyond belief. He made the Brewers look bad in front of public representatives. And if this had gone another way, he would have had to carry as much of the blame as anyone. So let that again be stated. Brewers fans were embarrassed by him. People of Milwaukee were embarrassed by him. And he certainly didn't do a whole bunch to curry good favor in terms of, you know, the already gross act of, Please, please give us public money. Give us tax money, money that could be going to health, money that could be going to education, money that could be going to infrastructure. Give it to us for a sports team owned by our millionaire. So very, very happy that this has resolved itself in a way that the Brewers will stay in Milwaukee. But, you know, I just wouldn't want anyone to be like, you know what? Well done, Rick Schlesinger. You... You kept the Brewers in Milwaukee because, honestly, again, so much of it was odious, and I have no problem saying it because his behavior was borderline ghoulish in some of the clips that everyone has seen. I'm getting word that the word ass has been spray-painted on his garage door. I can't confirm or uh, deny that report that I'm getting. Um, yeah, I don't have too much more on that. Um, I'm happy that the Brewers are staying, obviously. Many accuse me of being a sleeper agent trying to lure the uh, Brewers to the Carolinas, but I think we all know now that that, you know, that rumor has been put to rest. Um, it's, it's, it's not still ongoing. I think the, the Jimmy Hoffa rumor was something that, you know, honestly still has legs at him until we do the research on our own. We won't know, but Andrew's sleeper agent rumor put to bed. Are you saying Jimmy Hoffa still has legs? Is that? Um, I think they might be scattered like across different locations across the continental uh, United States, but um, I think leg matter of Jimmy Hoffa uh, is remaining at some at some place. Uh, do you, do you want to talk about a trade? Let's let's talk about a trade. All right. Uh, via Brew Crew Ball, uh, who is my favorite Milwaukee-based SP Nation site. Uh, I get. This wasn't the re- who reported. I think Robert Murray was the one that ended up getting the report. But uh, there was a nice little write-up there, so it was very helpful in, in learning about the player acquired. The Brewers have acquired uh, Oliver Dunn from the Philadelphia Phillies um, for prospects Hendry Mendez and Robert Moore. Moore, who you, you re- might remember, was drafted in the 2020 True MLB Draft um, out of Arkansas. Uh, Dunn's a second baseman. Uh, had a breakout season in Double A with Philadelphia last year, where he slashed two seventy one, three ninety six, five oh six, a one forty eight WRC plus, and uh, just tore up the Arizona Fall League. He earned the uh, Breakout Player of the Year award with a three forty three, four fifty five, uh, six sixteen slash line. Uh, hit a fair amount of doubles and homers for a second baseman in Double A uh, into the twenties for both this past season. A guy who's Early parts of his career seemed to be marred by either injury and then obviously the impacts that happened to the COVID season. So he's an older prospect for double A, 26 years old. 
uh, but seems to really be popping now. Uh, Mendez and more uh, guys that were seen as promising po- prospects at one point, but had really, really tough years, each of them for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. And we're probably, uh, based on a tweet from Baseball America's Ben Badler, we're kind of towards the back half of the, the 20s or early 30s in Brewers prospect rankings that may come out someplace this winter. Uh, um, Dunn was added to the 40-man. Uh, he was going to be Rule 5 eligible uh, had the Phillies not traded him or added him to their 40-man. So a roster crunch for them allows the Brewers to pick up a Major League depth guy, uh, a guy that could factor into getting at bats um, in the upcoming season. Sounds a lot like... Uh, kind of the acquisition of Owen Miller or Abraham Toro last year, a guy that you don't expect to be a starter right away, but could see um, time at some point in the season. I feel like this is the kind of consolidation trade the teams just kind of do and have to do. And on one hand, you could be like, oh, these are two prospects who've been, you know, rated okay within the system. And moving on, as you said, from a Bruce perspective, there's, yeah, it's been a level of underperformance. I'm a done. There's certainly something there that would seem to have like utility value, kind of guy who would make sense in the 40 man. Was it going to be on the 40 man for the Phillies? So there's an element of opportunism here, maybe cashing in on a couple of guys who you don't see factoring into your own plans anymore. Like, it's fine. It doesn't, it's not going to move the needle a ton, but I also wouldn't say it's nothing. Um, this is someone we could see factor into things at some point in the not too distant future if he continues to hit as well as he hit last year. And if that's the case, that's that's a nice depth piece. I mean, yeah, a little bit older than you'd like for someone who has still been really bar what I think seven games in his career, triple A. Uh, he has been double A's as, as his highest level. Like, not ideal for a 26-year-old, but also we've talked before with the difference between double-A AA and triple-A, and really, if you're if you're crushing at a double-A, you're not, you're not far away. And sometimes, you know, going up against the type of pitchers who find themselves as lifers in triple-A doesn't necessarily tell you any more about who you are as a big league pitcher, and you could make that jump. So, it'll be interesting to see where he slots in, and what the progression is within the Brewer system, but seems a worthwhile flyer. And as much as I think when Moore was drafted, I knew we had some hopes. I'm not feeling anything about the trading away. It's like, it's fine. This is, this is part of the business. You kind of, some of these things land and you, you find a winner and the Brewers have certainly done more than their fair share of that. And some, Less so, or they're at least kind of less immediately apparent and you weigh up your options and you try some other stuff. And that's what it feels like you're doing here. Yeah, 16.2% walk rate last year as well. So a lot of patience. Obviously, we've talked about that with Tyler Black and kind of the profile he has at the plate. Uh, Defensively, really spent the bulk of the time, like I said, at second base. Got 18 innings, third, 16 innings at um, left field. Um, And then obviously... With the DH spot, if his position is hitter and it he comes up and it turns out, you know what, uh, I'm I'm hitting the ball like I did in Reading. Um, look at me, he could get time there. But really seems like a depth piece for second base and a guy that can uh, push for uh, a roster spot at some point and definitely help out in a pinch if there's an injury if he proves to be 
kind of a reliable hitter. Uh, obviously, the most likely outcome is that that doesn't happen, but, but worth taking the risk. Yeah, it's a flyer. Is there anything else going on? We mentioned Caro and Playlock to the 40-man. We'll have we didn't mention Caro's... Um... Caro's awards recognition down in the minor leagues. Ah, yes. We did not mention that. Um, my computer's Asadi is crumbling again. <laughs> no, it's, uh, this is, this is like, what happens when we've got a lot, a lot to cover. Um, no, this is what happens when uh, my, my computer is literally on its last leg. Uh, Jefferson Kerr won minor league baseball's uh, gold glove catcher award. So, uh, obviously, we've been excited about what Kerr has done with the bat in his journey uh, through the Brewers minor league system. And we've also known about uh, what he can do with the glove. The Brewers catching lab is unmatched. Um, and we expect to see Kerr factoring into that backup catcher slash DH mix by May or June next season, depending on what they do with the offseason with the backup catcher spot. We expect Victor Caratini will move on. Uh, but nice to see good news with the Brewers catchers. Obviously, William Contreras won the Silver Slugger Award. Uh, and what was a little bit of a surprise uh, to us uh, mm. since, since we last spoke as well. So the Brewers catching position in present and future, something to be excited about as we look ahead. I think that does it, right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> as best as we can. We'll yeah, we'll be back yeah. soon. Um, early next week, probably at the latest, where we'll talk about tenders, non-tenders, not of the not of the chicken variety. Sorry, Newmark. Um, we'll talk about. I assume, maybe I'm wrong too. Pat Murphy's press conference. I'm gonna guess we're gonna have an official announcement soon, and a press conference will follow. And who knows what else comes our way. Maybe there are more trades. Maybe things really start to ramp up. That will be our next episode. And as Andrew said, eventually, someday we will get to uh, grades on last season's Brewers roster. But that could might just have to wait for, for a little while. We got, we got some big fish to fry here. It's fine with me. You know, those are my least favorite episodes of the entire year. So Why? I, d- I don't I, know I, that. I don't like levying value judgments. And like that, I know you lost your shit at me last year, Jernet. If that's what you're saying, no, I don't think that. I don't think we're gonna have that point of contention again this year. (laughs) I I didn't expect the last year either. There was there was no one on this year's team whose process of doing what they do as a baseball player visibly upset me as much as as that one. Um, Still don't understand that, but we we won't we won't open that kind of worms up again. Um. There are plenty of uh, like similarly uh, ranged performances on this year's team that uh, I will meet with uh, appreciation. So I'm, I'm looking forward to actually I'm not looking forward to it because I said I don't like giving out grades and they're we're going to have to give out a lot of bad grades this year. So even though they won the division, but there were like there are just so many individual performances that did not meet expectations. So it's going to be a win. all right. All right. We'll save it for another time. Don't. Don't have people dreading that podcast too. Listen, there'll no, be some no, good they grades. Like, they, I, they I don't like know it. who for. Maybe there won't be, but I'm gonna say for now there'll be some good grades. 
Oh, no, we'll, they, we'll worry about that. They like that. the conflict. I've gotten into my DMs. They like it. If you say so. All right. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That's Cruising for a Bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPM podcasts. That's the Eurostep Podcast Network. That is the main feed. I'm Tall Things Milwaukee Books. That's the Eurostep with Ty Winch, Ron Cuddy, and Winning Six with myself and Jordan Tresky. Also got Talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. After the movies, pop culture, all that sort of stuff. Make time for this with Andrew and I. We'll be back with you pretty soon. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>